So I, I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, Clive, where it's, it's, they were going on and on and on about how well their business is going, but they've got a couple of these issues. And I finally stopped him and I, his name is Richard. And I said, Richard, stop lying to yourself and stop lying to me. And it was dead silence at that point. He's, he's like, what do you mean? I'm not lying to you. I said, just by telling me that you're lying to me because I can tell that you're, you're making yourself more important than who you are than what, what's really going on. You're minimizing some of the issues that you've already described that you can't go over. Why not just be honest about where you are? And because there's two types of lies, there's commission and omission. Yes. And he was doing them both. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting, and sales funnels. You know, the stuff that'll actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hey, welcome. I'm Clive Maloney, and this is episode 24 of the Get Real About Business podcast. This is the show where we teach you how to create a better business for you, your customers, and the world. Today with me, we have the highly rated public speaker and business expert, Steve Lowes. Steve has more than 20 years' experience in the human resource industry. He has worked with companies like Cisco Systems, Starbucks, Whirlpool, Coca-Cola, Miller, Walgreens, and many others. Steve founded Collagen's International, which is the largest recruitment research in the U.S., and today, Steve's going to be talking to us about strategic seduction. No, I'm not talking about the kind of thing that you get arrested for. This is a simple six-step process for getting more clients in your business. Now, as I sit here recording this for you right now, I've had the interview with Steve, and it is a brilliant interview. What I've done is taken copious notes around the six steps that Steve lays out for us. If you want to get hold of that, as well as all the links mentioned in the episode and a link to my private Facebook group, Earning the Right, which of course you are welcome to join, then do check out the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 24. So go ahead, pick up your cheat sheet. Here's my interview with Steve Lowers. Steve, thank you very much for being here today. Uh, I know that you help so many different people with talent management, performance management, staffing issues, business growth. But what I want to dig into with you is around this whole idea about strategic seduction. We had a chat about it the other day. We had a little bit of a chat before we come on the call uh, today. And I, I just love this whole notion around strategic seduction. It sounds sexy, but what is it? <laughs> Thanks for that intro, Clive. And it's, it's, it does sound cool, right? You got this idea of strategic seduction. But, but here's how I kind of explain it when, when somebody asks me about it is, as business owners, small, small, medium, large, it doesn't matter. We're focused on marketing, right? Everything's digital marketing, digital marketing. But we don't think about what's the process that we really want to go through. Because too much of what we do in marketing is we follow the lead of others. We get beautiful advertisements. We get them on Facebook or we get them on it, where, whether it's TV or radio or what have you. But we don't really have a process behind what are we trying to communicate? Why are we communicating that? And what are we trying? What's, what's the action we want from the other person? We don't always think about it in those regards. So strategic seduction is really the six-step process to learn how to actually walk through that. So you get some value out of what you're doing in marketing. It ties right into sales and revenue. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but surely the action is that we just want people to buy our stuff, yeah? <laughs> we, we, whether it's a product or a service, we do. But, but people, people need to be taught that there is an issue or reminded that there is an issue that your product or service potentially solves. And, and it sounds really simple, but there's a lot more to it than just saying, here's the problem, here's my solution, buy from me today. Right, right. And that's what most people are doing right now. And I see that often. And even when you hire these third-party marketing firms, which we all use, you can really get a sense of who really understands this and who doesn't by asking them these questions around, you know, what about the message? What are we trying to communicate? Why are we trying to communicate it? How do, what's, the, what's the steps that we're going to use to try to get more people to say, yes, there's a problem, and yes, I think you can solve it for me? Okay. I think we all... We want to, to get better results from our marketing and from our sales. And if we can understand this better, that's got to be a good thing. Where do we start? Well, I'll walk you through each of these six steps. Really, there's five plus kind of the, the last most important piece to a small business, and that's obviously collecting money. We've got to make sure that we can make money off of what we're doing, right? Oh, yes. Um, but but the, the first one, in the, and it's kind of all under an umbrella category, and it's this idea of communicating a message, which sounds really, really broad. So let me, let me dig down deep a little bit so you, so you in, the, in the audience can understand what I'm talking about. Fair? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a couple of pieces to this idea of, of communicating a message. First of all, and we talk about this all the time, is who's most likely to listen to the message? What's, who are you really trying to go after initially? You'd be amazed at how many people are just, how many, how many organizations are just, well, whoever wants to buy from us. Yeah. Well, you, in order to understand the mentality of that person, you have to know who that person is. Maybe not by name, it's Clive, but understanding the background, what do you, who are you trying to get to? Is it entrepreneurs? Is it whoever it might be? But so, so number one is understanding who you're trying to target within communicating a message. Number two is this idea of a problem. So your product or your solution is supposed to be solving a problem, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't always think about it in these ways. So number one is who are the people? Number two are what are the problems that they already experience and that they recognize? So yeah. think about what I just said there. They might have an issue that's going on for them, but they're not aware of it. Well, so here's the interesting thing. Part of it is that they're not aware of it, but most people realize that there's a problem and they're aware of it. And what we do often in marketing is we try to convince them that there's another problem that they're not aware of. You've got to be able to do both because if you only focus on the they're not aware of it, you have to do more selling. If they already recognize, yes, there is a problem and you're addressing the problem they recognize, think there's a bit more power in that. Okay. Now, one thing I've noticed is that, yes, there are some people who are out looking for what you do because they recognize they've got a problem. They're looking for somebody like you to solve that problem. But there's also, I mean, I meet people every day who, you know, want a better business and they know that they need some help, but they're not ready to do something about it. It's almost like they're attached to their pain. They know they've got a problem, but they're not prepared to do something. What's up with that? Well, usually it's because they don't know they don't go deep enough about what the pain really is. And if you ask some questions to identify the ripple effect of that pain. So for example, if I, if I need, if I have no brand out there at all and I need a company to come in and, 
get a brand for me out there. That, I know that's a problem. But what's the ripple effect of not having a brand out there? I'm not selling enough. Yeah. Financially, I'm probably struggling a bit. So it keeps me up at night. So ultimately, every time I go home to my wife or my spouse or whoever, I'm even crankier than when I left in the morning because of all the problems. And it begins to cascade and there's this ripple effect. If you can harness the power of that ripple effect, it's pretty easy to show if you don't do something about the pain, your business is probably going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a whole shift in the mindset. And we lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? <laughs> so I, I, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday, Clive, where it's, it's, they were going on and on and on about how well their business is going, but they've got a couple of these issues. And I finally stopped him and I said, his name is Richard. And I said, Richard, stop lying to yourself and stop lying to me. And it was dead silence at that point. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I'm not lying to you. I said, just by telling me that, you're lying to me because I can tell that you're, you're making yourself more important than who you are, than what, what's really going on. You're minimizing some of the issues that you've already described that you can't go over. Why not just be honest about where you are? And it, because there's two types of lies. There's commission and omission. Yes. And he was doing them both. <laughs> so he was omitting information that was, would be helpful to help him grow his business. And he was minimizing, which is really the lie of commission. So you're absolutely right. We love to lie to ourselves. Yeah. So we've got to figure out what do we do. Yeah, it keeps us from pain, but it doesn't actually solve the pain, does it? it without question. Without question. It, it, it it's only keeps us from pain short term. The reality of it is it creates more, <laughs> more pain long term. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so that idea of understanding the problem and, and, and a problem that people recognize that is important when you start talking about marketing. Because, again, now you're understanding people and problem before you communicate the message. And you mentioned the third one already, the pain. Yeah. The emotional side, again, that ripple effect. What we often focus on is the, um, let, let's call it the, the tactical pain. So if I don't have a brand out there, I have the tactical pain of people don't know who I am. But, but as you keep going down that ripple effect of they don't know who I am, I'm not getting my revenue, I'm up at night sleeping, or I'm up at night not sleeping, I'm crankier when I get home. If you can keep going down that ripple and show people the long-term effect that's going on, that's a completely different type of pain than saying people just don't know who we are by the lack of a brand. Yes. Absolutely. Now you get their emotional attachment to it. Yeah. Uh, I've had a question about this before, actually, because um, you know, I get this thing about kind of almost amplifying the pain really and somebody said to me yeah but isn't that being manipulative isn't that just isn't that isn't that a wrong thing to do no in fact it's not because to you to your point earlier most people will lie about where they really are and once you start to dig in a little bit deeper and identify what that real pain is you're not you're not manipulating them you're being truthful about the facts right the facts are you're having a problem the facts are it's driving you know problems at home because you're stressed out about what's going on. You're, you're, not, you're not saying something they probably don't already know. You're just pointing out the facts of the situation, which people run from. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point there, Steve, because, um, yeah, although you might look at it as you're deliberately getting them to focus on the pain with a view to helping them take action, but really, as you say, you're just exposing the truth for them. And that's right. They can make a decision based on the truth, not the lies that they tell themselves. 
that that is so important to understand that piece because because our natural tendency is to kind of cover ourselves we i mean we lie to ourselves about how good or bad things are going in the first place oh yeah so a really great marketer or a great business will be able to not not create lies but point out the truth of where you really are that's the key to doing this the right way if you do it where you're kind of creating the pain where the pain doesn't really exist it's here in the US, it's kind of the used car salesman approach. Have I got a deal for you? That's not true marketing and selling. Okay. So where do we get started in understanding, uh, understanding the pain, understanding our target market? So, so this is where, again, it's, let's, go, let's take it back for a second. Yeah. So it's understand the people, understand the problem, start to identify the emotional pain as we've just been talking about, but part of that is also showing that there's a possibility on the other side, right? So if you only focus on the pain, people retract, they back off, right? If, yeah. you, folk, if you identify the pain by being honest, Clive, and then you start to paint the picture of a possibility that there's something else out there outside of that pain, that's when you really get their interest. They start to listen to you because it's not all about the negative, the, the positive starts to come in. And too many marketers miss that right off the bat. So what's the possibility that we can pull them to? So in this particular case, the pain is nobody knows who my brand is. Yeah. The possibility is if, if done correctly, we can paint a picture of here's what happens if we do this the right way, where people get to know your brand, revenue starts to come in, you get to sleep at night because you got money to pay your bills. And again, you're now going down the opposite side of that cascade effect. Started with pain, now you're hitting pleasure. Yeah, and again, a really important point there because a lot of people are very much motivated to move away from pain that they're experiencing right now. But yeah. some people, myself included, are people who are looking forward to, um, you know, to a particular desire. So this this whole notion around um, away from or toward. We are wired differently. I know my wife, Julie, she's uh, a, you know, trying to solve a problem all the time away from the pain, away from the pain. Me, I'm like, well, yeah, hey, there is an issue here. But, you know, mostly I just want to move forward. And so we kind of wired differently. And so you're tapping into both aspects there, but also helping them understand what the journey is, where they're at right now and where they want to go. That's such a critical piece. And you, you, you nailed it perfectly, Clive, because most of us want to run from pain. We'll do more to avoid pain than we will actually to get pleasure. Others, and, and it's, a, it's a segment, smaller segment of it, but to your point, they want to go towards pleasure, not necessarily thinking just about avoiding pain. There's two different motivators there. Going through this process and pointing out both, that gets you 100% of the, the target population you're going after as opposed to only one. So do you want all of them? Or do you want just those that react or on pain or on pleasure? You, no. you got it right. You want both of them. So that's, you've got to go through each of those steps. But then in both cases, you've got to show them what I call the path. So now you've identified the pain. You've identified the pleasure, right? Both sides of it. But then you can't just leave them hanging. Yeah. Part of this communicating a message is to be able to say, and here's the potential path to get to where you want to go. And it's not like a complete description, but it's there's some little sense of, if you do these three things, there is a path to solve the problem that you're on, which is why when you see marketing and it's the three ways to increase your brand, 
people flock to that type of thing. If it says uh, you should increase your brand, people don't flock to that no. uh, because people, there's no path. Yeah, when you say there's three ways, that makes it feel easy, doesn't it? No, excuse me, no question about it at all. So you know, it's kind of nudging them in the right direction, right? A little bit at a time. You don't want to push too fast, but you want to nudge them off in that right direction through this idea of the path. And then ultimately, you as a business owner or whoever you are within your small business or mid-sized business, you want them to do something. Yeah. So the last piece of this communicating a message is the pitch, right? So you've gone from this idea of here's the people I'm going after, here's the problem that I sense, here's the pain associated with it, here's the pleasure that I can get them to, here's the possibility of where we can go through this path, and ultimately, I've, I've, we've agreed that you have a problem at this point. Now I gotta try to get you to agree that I might be able to solve your problem, yeah. right? So now it's this idea of the pitch. Here's what I want you to do next. I want you to sign up for this. I want you to purchase this. I want you to have a free consultation, whatever the case is. It's not necessarily to close right there. We gotta understand that. It's a process. So the pitch is not the close. The pitch is not the close because you've, especially if they've only seen your information for the first time. Now, if you're selling a 99 cent widget, could you potentially go pitch and close? Oh. Absolutely the case but you've missed capturing their information. So number one is communicating a message that there's a possibility to solve your problem. Number two in the kind of the bigger category is this idea of getting a yes out of them, Clyde, right? So you don't wanna close them, but you do wanna get a yes. Think about today in, in today's world of digital marketing. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get their email address, their phone number, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. yeah. So we've got to focus our message to be able to do that. So here, sign up here, put in your email here for our free newsletter. All of that is capturing permission. Once you've communicated and you've related to their problem, you've empathized with their problem, you've shown them that you could potentially solve the problem, and now you're saying, give me your information because information is golden. Okay, and this is again another important part. Of course, they're all important because we we can screw this up so badly, and a lot of people screw it up simply by going into way too much detail um, and talking about the wrong things. How yeah. do we get the balance right? Yeah, it, th this is where you really have to understand your audience, going all the way back to the beginning, right? Who are you targeting, and what are the general pains? So what we try to do often as marketers is that we want to communicate everything that we have. Yeah. So here's everything that we have, everything that we have, and this is why you want to buy it. it. When you get the balance that you bring up, and that's a great point, Clive, is that you've got to be able to say, here's the general problems of the people I'm going after, and then you can communicate just to those problems, not your entire suite of products and, or services and every single little thing that it happens to solve. That's where it becomes too much information. We're trying to get too much out there. All we're trying to do and communicate a message is get them to give me some information so we can continue to have a dialogue with them. Yeah, yeah. So could you give us an example about how this would work in like in a real world scenario, perhaps one of the, your past clients or, or how you've done that in real life? Yeah, we, we could even look at it in, in our business. So in, in, we've got a number of businesses that are focused, as you mentioned, when you open on people, right? So whether it be recruiting development or something along those lines. Yep. And so 
our, one of our target markets happens to be recruiters within corporations. So they're trying to hire people for themselves, right? So it's really, my, my people are defined by, I'm going after recruiters, yes. okay, for one of those businesses. The problem is, in this economy, at least here in the U.S., but I'm really seeing it across, across the globe, is that there's a number of problems. One, there's not enough people to fill all the roles that are out there. So it's easy to identify the pain a recruiter is feeling. There's increased costs associated to recruiting those people because there's such a demand for people, right? Here in the U.S., we talk about millennials all the time. They're harder to recruit because there's different drivers. So yep. there's a list of problems that recruiters, as I talk to them, they recognize. These are not new things to them. I'm just pointing them out by saying, I know your experience. I feel your pain that you're experiencing because of the economy, because of the increased cost, because of trying to recruit millennials. So now I'm one-on-one -on -one with them. They, they, they understand that I empathize. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. You understand them. You get them. Um, and so that makes it a lot easier to, to build rapport and, and to trust you. Correct. So there's now I've identified the problem. Now I've got to take that problem and I've got to create a ripple effect so they understand the full amount of pain the problem is causing them. Because people get those mixed up. They think they're one and the same. Problem is there's not enough people out there. Problem is it's expensive. What's the pain that it causes a recruiter, right? So if I happen to be a recruiter, that means I've got to work more hours to talk to enough candidates to fill my role. So I'm spending less time with my family. I have no time on the weekends because I'm spending more time trying to find candidates. I'm getting frustrated. There's all kinds of pains that you can draw out as a result of this problem. And if I'm communicating my message that way, I'm relating to them. I feel their problem. I see their problem. I feel their pain because I've been there. I empathize with them. But then I can flip the story and say, now think about it. There's a possibility out there to relieve your frustration, not to fill your roles. I didn't get there yet. Okay. So, so my solution or my possibility that I'm painting is not to say, hey, we can, my, one of my businesses can fill all your roles. Instead, my message is all that pain you're feeling, all that wasted time, all that time away from your family, all the sleepless nights, there's actually a possibility to address those issues. Emotionally is the way people are thinking. There were, go ahead. Yeah, uh, let me just get this right here. At this stage here, you're trying to establish whether they are willing to do something about it. So you got it. <laughs> and you get their permission to, to then offer your solution. That's right. Because now through the process, the recruiter is saying, you get me, you, I, you, you do feel my pain. You've shown me that there's a, a possibility to solve the pain. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to opt in because I want to hear ultimately your solution to address my practical pain because right now I'm addressing just the emotional side of the pain. Yes. So yes. That, that capture permission, leading up to the capture permission, it, you've not given them a solution. You've not, you've not pitched your product. All you've done is say there is a possibility to address the issues that you have. Now give me your information because now I need to work on converting your mindset. Now that's where you start to solve for the actual tactical problem as well as the emotional problem. To this point, all you've done is painted a picture that we've agreed there is a problem. I empathize with your problem. There's a potential solution to address those problems and you've given me your contact information.
yeah yeah and this is when the the pitch comes in is that correct well the, the pitch is there's kind of two pieces to the pitch the, the pitch is just before converting or just before capturing permission because you've, you've taken down the possibility of there is a solution yeah. you give a little bit of the path of the solution and a tiny bit of the pitch but the pitch is not let me fill your all your positions the pitch is I want to capture your information so I can give you more information. Okay. So you, think about this. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very important distinction there. You are pitching for the next stage. You got it. We pitch for the close right off the bat. But yeah. in this model, keep in mind, we haven't converted their mindset to say, yeah, I want to buy from you. We haven't done that. So how can you go right to the close? You can't. Yes. Steve, this is really, really useful. Thank you. What else do I need to know? Well, so after, so, so number one, this big step is, again, we've communicated the message, the point, the, the pain and all of that. Second one is we've captured their permission. So now they've opted in. We've got their email address. We've set up an appointment, whatever your particular next step is. Yeah. Now we've got to focus on this idea of converting their mindset, right? Because any consumer has a specific view about where they are today in the midst of that pain that we've identified. So it's either not a big enough pain or I've already tried a number of things and I haven't been able to solve it. So I have a worldview focused on that particular tactical pain. We first have to say, we understand where you are. We understand you have this worldview. And now this is where we start to change that worldview. There is, a, there is another option that's actually out there. This is where we're spending more time on the tactical side of the pain. So we went emotional. Now we can say, okay, you've tried all kinds of other recruiting vendors. You've, you've been, you've unfortunately been unsuccessful with them, whatever the case might be. Now there's a better solution, but we've got to change your view of the entire industry because third party recruiters are called headhunters, right? They're yes. called headhunters and they're kind of viewed, we're kind of viewed to a certain extent like used car salespeople, right? <laughs> I have to understand that view and I have to be able to change that worldview knowing full well that they've probably been burned somewhere else in the past. Yeah. But I can only do that when I empathize again with their worldview. That's really interesting you mentioned that. I had a conversation yesterday with a, a solicitor and uh, she was saying that she, she was just starting up her own practice and she was saying that whenever I ex introduce myself and, uh, and say what I do, then I see their face change immediately. They have this judgment that solicitors are there just to rip them off yeah you know and just to charge them exorbitant fees and uh, and the client that she was telling me about had had, had that impression and i said where's your evidence and i think the sound of it is what was in her mind but nevertheless it does exist in some people's minds so what can we do about changing this so so it's really about painting the picture of Again, there's another possibility. So think about it. Let's continue my story of the recruiter, right? Yeah. So we've identified there's a problem. We've got them convinced it to at least give us their contact information. We've empathized with the fact that they probably have experience. And, and it's as simple as saying, I'm sure you've experienced other agencies where they've let you down. All this has happened. And it's a simple phrase now, Clive. Think about it. It's consider the possibility. Consider so what whether you're doing it in text or whether you're doing it on the phone or whether you're doing it through video or what have you, but it's as simple as consider the possibility that 
that there's a better solution, that there is an agency that can solve the problem because all you're trying to do at this point is continue them down the process, right? Get them to consider that there may be one agency out there that is not like all the other ones and you've got to direct them. So just tell them that. Consider the possibility that there is a firm that can fill your positions with quality candidates at a less expensive price. Would that be something that would be of interest to you given the pain you've experienced? Yeah. Who's going to say no? Absolutely. That's really <laughs> Consider the possibility that, and then you say, would that be something that you would want? Would that be something that you would consider? And it can be, that can be a rhetorical question too, because if you're doing it via text or via video on a, on a Facebook ad or, or any other advertisement, that's a, that's a kind of a hanging question. Consider the possibility that there's an agency that can do this, that, and the other. I'm sure that would solve some of your pain. Wouldn't that be of interest? Whatever the case might be, there's a little bit of a close there, but yeah. you're compelling them to think, there, I've got a problem. There is a possibility that there's a, there's a solution. Now you've got them 80% of the way there. You don't have them closed, no. but you've got them 80% of the way there in converting their mindset that, oh my gosh, there might be a possibility. There, it's worth giving it one more chance. Yeah, yeah. So it keeps going through my head how important that is because there's one thing, me trying to convince you to buy whatever I'm selling. But all I'm trying to do here is convince you or whoever it is to consider something else. And yes. people are open to that. Yes. But and you said, an, you, you said a really important piece. And there's this whole concept around the way in which we, which we communicate called um, declare debate and dialogue. Okay. Yeah. Declare is, I know you have a problem. I'm going to fix the problem. And, and I, I want you to buy my product. Um, that's not the best thing. Debate is you're wrong in the way you've addressed your product. I've got a better solution. You put them on the offensive. That's not a good way to do that. Yeah. Dialogue is bringing up the pain, empathizing with the pain, and getting them to realize themselves through questions or comments that they have an issue. So now they're thinking about it themselves. You don't have to convince them of anything. If you do it right by asking the right questions or pointing out the right pieces and empathizing with that pain, 80% of the time, they're convincing themselves that they've got to do something. That's dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much more. Very fun. different. Love it, love it. So, so once we've converted their mindset, and we've got them from, okay, there is an issue, to yes, I've got to do something about the issue. Now we can truly compel them to action. So step four is this idea of compel them to action. And it's as simple as saying, okay, we've agreed there's an issue. What I want you to do next is sign this agreement. What I want you to do next is sign up for this particular class. But it's getting specific. You haven't really completely closed the deal at this point, but it's your call to action. Everybody in marketing now talks about call to action, buy here now button. It's kind of the same thing as that, but because there's so many, if you're selling online, there's so many websites that really don't compel you to do anything. Right. It doesn't make any sense. But I want you to do this because you've agreed that there is an actual issue at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Another important point there is you've got to tell people. I remember somebody that uh, I've been hanging around in uh, a Facebook group for, for probably about two and a half years and we've been getting along and uh, 
I, I knew that there was issues for her and her business, but I was shy to ask for the business. And yeah. I, and I thought, well, because she does what, she was another coach, she does what I do. And I was shy about approaching her and saying, do you know what, I can help you with this. And then one day I did ask her because she was telling me about what was going on again in her business. She was really frustrated. I said, do you want some help with this? And she said, yeah. And then what I realized is that if I'd have asked a lot sooner, and if I'd have just asked a question, she would have jumped at it. No question. And that happens so often because we don't give ourselves sometimes enough credibility almost. Yeah. Right. And, and then under this idea of compelling to action, there's actually kind of three pieces here, right? One is just plainly saying, Hey, let's do business together. Let's, I want you to do X, but we have to have the understanding of what I call the frame, right? That really the, the, the way you want to position yourself is it's a privilege for you to do work with me. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a privilege for me to do, to sell you this product or sell you the service, but I need to frame the conversation so that at this point it is a privilege for you, the customer, the consumer to do work with us, right? We, we want you, but you absolutely need us. That's what you're trying to convey at this point. It's not just a simple, Hey, let's close the deal. It's the, it's the message you're conveying because think about the bigger process. Again, going back to we've identified there's a pain. Yep. You've agreed that there's some type of pain out there. You agreed that there's somewhere there's a possibility. Now I'm trying to convince you that we can solve that possibility. And your confidence will rise if my confidence rises in saying you should feel as honored to do work with us as we are with you, Clive. And as a result of that, I'm willing to ask for your business and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Yeah. Can you give us a phrase or, or a way of putting this? Yes. I mean, it's, it's actually as simple as saying something to the effect of what I want you to do next, Clive, is I want you to take a look at this contract and I want you to sign it at the end, at the end of, by the end of the day on the bottom so we can begin on Monday. Right. I mean, it is really that simple. Now it's a little difficult. It's a little more difficult if you're doing something online. For example, one of our, uh, one of our companies is a training business. Um, and it's more training for HR people and recruiters, not necessarily for executives, but my call to action at this point, or my compelling them to action is I want you to sign up here, click here, sign up for the next class. It's very black and white. It's, You've identified the pain. I filled the pain. I want you to sign up here. At this point, I'm not asking for any money, but I'm asking them to basically fill out an application saying they're worthy to go into our training class. Not just sign up, give me your $199 or $999, but literally there's an application process to get in. Now think of what that does to the mindset of somebody. Absolutely. Well, you're implying exclusivity there, aren't you? Yes. And, it, and that's the way you should be looking at it. So you as, a, you as a coach or your listeners as a coach that are providing some type of consulting should, be, should not be saying, sign up with me now for $300 an hour, 300 pounds an hour, whatever it is. But it should be sign up for the opportunity to apply to have me work for you. Yeah. That's very Completely different. different. Yeah, very different. Very different. Love it. Strategic seduction. So the, then the last piece is, is, is really simple and it's closing to a commitment. So if I get you to sign up under this compelling to action to sign up for an application to allow me uh, to, or to allow you to work with me, in essence, creating that exclusivity that you talked about, Clive, 
but now I want you to actually sign on the dotted line after you've gotten through that piece and I'm gonna have some type of communication that quickly points out all the pain, pleasure, opportunity, because I wanna get them emotionally charged again, right? So, so if I'm doing it electronically, my last email to get their money, in, in essence, is rehashing it very quickly in bullet point format in most instances, and then at the end saying, you've been approved, sign up, it's $999, boom. Now I'm gonna ask them for money, which is the sixth step, which is something that we often shy away from. I want your credit card, I want your check, I want your wire transfer, or I want your PayPal, one or the other. We can't be ashamed of that, but it's a process. Absolutely, absolutely. Now what I have noticed with a number of different people in a number of different businesses is that they, uh, they'll get a client to that, or a prospect to that stage. They say, yes, I've just got to check with somebody else or I've just got to do whatever. There's, there's some kind of delay in between when they can pay it. Now, if we don't get that money quickly, we were talking about this before we started the, the, the episode. If we don't get that money quickly, we will lose the sale because they get busy. Life happens. Yeah. And you, they lose that emotional attachment they've got to solving their pain. How can we keep them on, keep them on with us? What, what can we do? Yeah, it depends on the circumstance and if you're dealing more with somebody with a larger business, which it's somebody else's budget, or you're dealing with an entrepreneur where it's their dollars and so forth. Hopefully yeah. earlier on in the process, you've identified, are they really the decision maker? Yes. And, and, but that's now we're getting a bit more away from strategic seduction. Now we're getting into a little more of the sales, ask, the true sales aspect of a service or something along those lines. Now they go together because hopefully you've driven them down to that path. Um, the quicker you can get dollars to your point, credit card and so forth, the more successful you're gonna be in closing them. When, when you start getting the, hey, I need to go talk to my partner. Okay, let's understand what are the questions that you have of your partner so I can help you with that. If you're not the decision maker, is your partner the decision maker and should we be having the conversation directly with your partner? Because keep in mind, how are you gonna be able to explain all this when you know there's a pain but you didn't know there was a solution? I have the solution. Let's get on the phone with your partner now. That's very nicely put that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So it's, so it's, it's not about saying, oh, please go take all the time in the world. That's where you start getting in the trouble. Continue to focus on the pain. Continue to focus on the solution. Because they've already admitted there's a problem and they've admitted that you might be able to solve that problem for them. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So that's step six. That's step six, ultimately, sign the contract and collect cash. So many entrepreneurs that I've met, Clive, are afraid to ask for the money. What's up with that? You know, I, I think part of it is, I, don't think, I think it's just they're trying to be nice. They're trying to be respectful of the client, and they don't want to seem overly pushy, right? And, and I get all of that, but we're in the business of being able, if, if you're comfortable with the value you're providing, you should be comfortable and confident and getting paid for that value. There yeah. should be no regrets in that. If you're questioning the product or service, there's probably gonna be a hesitancy and you're gonna give them more flexibility. Yeah. But if you're confident, you show that confidence, your consumer, your buyer, your purchaser is also gonna see that confidence in you. Exactly, and I, the way I like to think about it is if you've got somebody come to you to find out about what you do, they might come in at you maybe like a three out of 10 in terms of ready to buy right now. Um, and if you start a five out of ten, there's only so much, there's only so much movement you're creating that 
yeah. into your confidence and what you do and what you believe and, and how much you know that you can help them. Now, it's going to be very different if you can start with your mindset at an 8, 9, or a 10 out of 10. You might not get the sale, but you're certainly going to get a move further. No question. And, and I mean, the other piece to this, we've, talked, we've just spent the last half hour talking about strategic seduction. So many people don't follow that. They, they go from, here's the problem to pitching. Here's the problem to pitching. And then they ask for the sale and they've gotten burned a few times because they've never gone through the entire process. Yeah. If you go through the process, we're creating dialogue where the client or the potential consumer is convincing themselves of the opportunity and the problem. Asking for the money becomes easier because emotionally they're already engaged. When we go from one to the other abruptly and we try to close, we fail. That's why we get we're resident. We don't want to ask for the next one because we got we got we failed three times before. That's the issue. But we didn't follow the process of seduction in the first place. No, no. So there's a, a big mistake there to skip one of those stages. That, it's incredibly a mistake. Yeah, big mistake. The yeah. other thing that I see as well is that people ask you to skip the stages. And they just say, hey, just tell me how much. They do. And, and that's, that's where you have, you're the leader. You're the expert here. And you've got to be able to continue to get the, getting the conversation back. So tell, you, tell me how much. How much for what? We haven't really identified where the problem is, the pain that it's causing, and what's the appropriate solution. So why would I tell you how much? Because I don't know what, exactly what your solution is. You're assuming it's a widget. If I'm selling widgets, sure, I'm going to get faster to the how much. That can even be part of my pitch if I'm selling a widget. But most of us are selling something other than just a 99-cent widget. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's continuing to go back to the process and – those six steps that I talked about, people at step one, try to go right to, to step number five. What's the price? At step two, try to go right to the price. You have to be consistent and diligent in understanding the process to keep getting them back to there. Let's go one. Let's go two. Let's go three. Let's go four. If you don't do that, your likelihood of closing diminishes. Yeah. yeah. Again, another important point there because there's a lot of, I imagine there's a lot of service providers listening to this podcast right now. And, as a service provider, they want somebody who demonstrates expertise and demonstrates leadership. And yep. if you handle that conversation, demonstrating that leadership, like managing the conversation, then you're going to build trust with them. Yeah, no question. I'll go back to what I said earlier about the three types of communication styles, declare, debate, and dialogue. So most of us want to declare, we want to tell. It's all about what we think they want to hear without having had any questions, right? It's been studied. It is the least effective form of communication. That's when you're looked at as the arrogant consultant. Yeah. Okay. Debate is I want to argue with everything that you've done. Now I'm the combative consultant. Dialogue is I've asked questions, shown you my expertise. You've now taken that information and you're starting to think about it and convince yourself now you see me as the confident, the expert, the, whether it's the Tony Robbins or the Brian Tracy's of the world. That's how you're positioning yourself because of the critical questions as the consultant that you asked. Yes. They tie right into each other. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, now, I know that people are going to want to ask more questions to get involved with you or, or just to find out more. What do they do? How do they get hold of you, Steve? 
the, the, the easiest way is to go right to my website. It's my name, Steve Lois, S-T-E-V-E, Lois, L-O-W-I-S-Z.com. There's links to get connected with me, uh, subscribe to my blog, which goes out every Tuesday. Um, and my phone number, my direct dial is there as well. Any of those are welcome for anybody who's got additional questions. Wonderful. Thank you. What I'll do is I'll make sure that all those links uh, are on the show notes. Uh, so uh, you, can, uh, you can pick that up at the end of this episode. Uh, I'll remind you about how to get to that in a second. Uh, but before we go, uh, Steve, can you just share with us any final tips around things that we should watch out for when handling this conversation? Yeah, a, a couple of things. Focus on the questions. Um, it's always about why, why, why. We put, again, the common way is to tell. You want to ask to get the answers out of the actual client. And every time they say something, it's why. Why is that important to you? Why do you want that? What are you solving for? So it's, it's all the, we have to focus on the questions, stop telling, and start asking. Love it, love it. Questions are the answers. I really love the idea of strategic seduction. A brilliant interview there with Steve. Just a reminder, if you want to pick up the notes I made from that interview is in the form of a cheat sheet, then you can go ahead to the show notes page where you'll find all the links from today's episode, plus the cheat sheet, and that is at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 24. If you've loved the episode today, there's a couple of things that you should be aware of. One is that immediately after having that interview with Steve, I booked Steve straight up to come back to us in the new year. So he's going to be coming back and be talking about the four core principles of production and purpose. So that's something you can look forward to. And if you found today's episode really useful, then I would really appreciate if you could do me a favor and pop on iTunes and leave me a review. A five-star review would be awesome. Anything else, also appreciated. Your review will help other people find this podcast. I've got a mission right now to bring you the best experts as well as share plenty of my own tips around how you can grow your business, all with a purpose to help you run a better business, make more money and do the things that you want in your life. So if you found today useful, please go ahead, leave me a review on iTunes. The only thing left today to do is to tell you about next episode. Next week, we'll be having David Feynman come to join us and talk about video marketing. David was the creator of The Zombie Run. If you've never heard of that before, and no, I'm not talking about the app. I'm talking about the run that they do and the, the whole activity around zombies chasing runners. If you've never heard of that before, then check out YouTube. There's plenty of videos up there. It's a great example of the kind of business you can build with a little bit of creativity and huge opportunity to demonstrate David's talents as a video marketer. So we'll be having them on the show next week on the Get Real About Business podcast. Until then, take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.